our world, our Terca Lumeres. No one knows how far its lands and oceans stretch, for the people are no match against the hordes of monsters that crawl the earth. Barriers protect the cities in which we live, and we are completely dependent upon them for our survival. These barriers are generated by the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast with Aaron Thompson and Josh Carroll. Thank you all so much for tuning in, and thank you for bearing with me through my wonderful Tales of Vesperia intro, uh, a game that was available for the PS3 and Xbox 360, one of the many Tales of games. So, what are we talking about today, Josh? When we play D&D sometimes, you're like, what colors does your character identify with? And it just, it opened up this whole new perspective of like, oh wow, this is a great building technique. So we're talking about the MTG color wheel. I love the color wheel. No surprise. This whole thing is just going to be me just like going off about how much I love the color wheel. I think whenever I first started playing Magic, um, I was like, I would, you know, I came to it from like a Pokemon mentality. And you can definitely tell in a lot of fantasy games, like who's come from it, like having played a lot of Pokemon before, because you just <laughs> assume that they're types. That's fair. Right. Like in our most recent D&D session, our sorcerer was like, why is this fire elemental not weak to ice? And it's like. It's that it's the Pokemon thing. You know, you think the types really work against each other like that. And I think the same is with magic. Very good point. Yeah. And especially because if only if you put water on a fire elemental, it just does one cold damage, which that doesn't make sense. We found that out the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good old fire elemental encounters. Speaking of fire, I was breaking through Commander Legends packs because, you know, naturally you you get the itch for the cards. You can't stop. (laughs) Mm hmm. The itch you can't scratch. I've been loving that Commander Legends has a lot of pirate cards again. And I've been building this idea for a pirate deck. But something that always got me is that pirates, you know, when you think about it, blue makes sense, right? Because of water. Mm -hmm. But there's also a lot of red pirates. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we were playing Arena, you blew my mind because there's a green-black Vraska pirate card. Also true. Yes. So... The crazy thing with me is that, like, I had to, like, get into my head that, like, it's not just about, like, island, water, pirate. That's not all. It's hard to, because all the mana symbols have, like, little, they're like, oh, that's a water droplet on the blue card. That's a tree on the green card. You're like, water, grass, got it. The mountains are like a fireball. You're like, fire, cool. And then you have white and black, which is, like, death and life, I guess. You know, like, light and dark, (laughs) me. Which is something I also want to dig into at a later moment. Is that, like, black isn't just the evil color. We got to, like, break that down. That's a good point. So I figure, first off, um, most of what I'm saying today comes from my own personal love. Um, but also, there's this really great article that I want to I cite my source because I'm a good student and talk about this article I found called How the Magic the Gathering Color Wheel Explains Humanity by Duncan A. Sabian. It was posted on April 2nd, uh, 2018. You can find it on all sorts of places where um, articles are posted for free. Great. I'll even put a link. You can listen to it, too. There's like an audio version. So I don't know. Where do you want to start, Josh? All right. So I'll go from a naive perspective. Why are there pirate cards that aren't blue? Um, The way that this article describes it is that each color has a goal and a strategy, right? So they all embody some sort of virtue. So the way that um, this author breaks it down is that like, 
the goal of white is peace, right? And it achieves that through order. So that's why you have a lot of white cards that, like, you know, establish some sense of order. It's why the Azorius Senate exists, right? Ah, if we're, yeah. But that's another conversation. We're going to get there. And then um, <laughs> blue is the color of knowledge and the intellect, right? And so that's their, like, means. And they go, they strive for perfection, right? That's always, like, the, the classic scientist is a blue card. Green, very nature-based, go for harmony and accepting the natural order of things. That's the, your survival of the fittest, right? Mm. Your Nissas, your Garricks. Very wild, very natural. That's your organic homegrown. Black is an interesting one, so it's sort of self-serving. Uh, this article says that their main goal is satisfaction. So it's all about pleasure in a way that's not necessarily overtly sexual. Um, you know, just like getting what you want right and yeah. that's sort of like at any means necessary they're the they're selfish basically is what what that is which is not inherently evil it's just like often it takes that course you know right? and it's funny you say that because i think about all the vampire white black aristocrat cards because mm -hmm. it's all these like delightful rich vampires and you're like oh there's black there they're just cruel and self-serving mm -hmm. and that's all right it's a it's a combo and we're going to talk about white black too in a minute. When we get to when we get to color combos, ooh, that's that's the bread and butter of the color wheel for me. But to answer your question, why there why are there red pirates? It's because red that's the color of freedom and mm. um, independence. So when you think about oh yo ho, it's a pirate's life for me, it makes a lot of sense for me to have red pirates because it's the color of like I'm doing what I want. I'm you know living for what I want to do. And I'm going to use action to get that. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think the thing that kind of gets me sometimes is we talked about the Brineborn Cutthroat a couple episodes ago in our Ralzeric Lightning Round. I always said, that's just a blue card. That's a mono blue card. But part of me is like, it is a pirate kind of. Shouldn't there be a little bit of red mixed into that card maybe? I've also seen a lot of blue-black pirates because, you know, they're ruthlessly going for what they want that's the plundering aspect that right? is true so pirates who plunder are black right versus pirates who just want to be out on their own on the high seas might be more red or pirates that are treasure hunters might be more blue because they're seeking something right that was the big thing i was going to ask you with blue because it, it, it for a second there it's almost like well blue's well it's the pokemon what's blue argument, doing right yeah, it's yeah. the pokemon <laughs> argument it's a, it's a strange mix of where do you draw the elemental line versus, like, the personality component. And I think that's what makes it interesting for me. And like you mentioned earlier, I do um, – I make all of my D&D &D characters uh, on the color wheel. And often I'll make a, a magic deck that's focused around that, that color scheme. And sometimes, too, um, I play with a deck that's all rogues. All of the creatures are rogues um, because it's for my one character who is a rogue. And hmm. she's blue, black, and green. We're going to get there, too. We're going to get there. That's three. We got to go to two first. But we we'll got to go to three. two first. We're going to get to right. three. So when you, when you talk to me about color combinations and everything, mm -hmm. that was the first time that I built a magic deck where I'm like, okay, what are two colors that I think really work that I want to embody in a deck? So mm -hmm. initially, we were talking about Red the Orzhov's colors. Yep. <laughs> With oh, <laughs> red and white is my goal just to try to make it more than equipment draw. Uh, update hasn't changed, but you hasn't know, not yet. But maybe soon. one day. But I did build after we talked about it an Orzhov deck, a white black, and we were talking about Orzhov mm -hmm. just for a second there because I loved the principle of it mechanically is a lot of life gain and life stealing. You know, you throw your vetoes mm -hmm. into the deck, you get your cruel celebrants, just cards that gain life. But white black 
it's got that black in it again. And, like, I don't want to think of it as inherently evil because there's white is considered inherently good at the same time. It's what? <laughs> I think the cool thing about this, the um, some of my favorite color combinations go from across the color wheel, right? So, like, white um, represents the group versus black as the individual. Hmm. Green and blue is one of my favorite color combos. That's what I like to play the most. And that's sort of like science versus nature, right? Uh, that's like semic. the... So, but you have to think when things are pulling apart, you, um, they also still have like a common goal, even though they're, they are going about a goal in two separate ways, but they're still looking for the same thing. Even though white and black are taking two very separate approaches, they're still looking out for their own, right? So they still have like, it's still like an us versus them, right? Mm. It just happens to be that the us for white cards tends to be a little bit bigger, a little bit broader in scope than black. And I'm glad that you said that too, because I remember I came up to you and I was saying like, uh, I was trying to make a Ravnica little campaign with a Boros and an Orzhov guild member get along. Mm -hmm. And I just had the hardest time figuring out why are they both white again? And like, how does that actually help? Because it's not just like justice, freedom, white, we are knights and we right. fight because that's not Orzhov. Mm -hmm. Right. That's more of a solo white. That's like if it was a pure white character, that would be easy. Hmm. Right, because it's all about order and shit. But, but yeah, that that black really tinges it, you know. So if um, if white and black is tribalism, right? That's what this article calls it. Okay. And then white and red is called heroism, right? Because that's like action and freedom. Yes. And if you apply those principles to you know like a group, and we've got like Al Capone, right, and this like crime syndicate of the Orzhov trying to work with like you know someone like Captain America right yeah and, like the avengers who are like red white they're like a little bit chaotic but like they work for the common good of all you know that's definitely true so then i yeah the question i pose to you is like what what did they, they both have something in common right you have to make them invested in each other just in case my players might listen in the future i don't want to i don't <laughs> want to spoil it too much but oh, the thing that i, I was working with was and I mean that's just three additional viewers, so that one not hurt actually if they wanted to listen. But please I was listen. please, listen, I, to please listen to us. I was going with the idea of there's this Orzhov thing in trouble, and it will affect things around it. So it's an idea of the Orzhov are taking a personal hit from it, but also it will affect surrounding areas, and it's an idea oh. of if Boros is willing to protect the greater good, right. and will Orzhov help Boros because directly their facility is being targeted. That makes perfect sense because it, it plays to the Orzhov's self-interest while appealing to um, the Boros's need to do the greater good and protect protect larger groups. Yes. That's really smart. Additionally, it it makes one of my favorite literary tropes where it's um like the unlikely allies thing. Like if you think about um Leliana and the Gatewatch, you know, around like Amonkhet or whatever, back in the old days, um before War of the Spark, she like didn't want to be there. Yes. You know, she was only there because she had to be. And she still like stuck to her true self and like was a little bit evil, 
right? Hmm, like definitely. the whole way through and like made no bones about that. And I think that's so cool. I'm just going to speak to the magic community right now. Please make a white, mm-hmm. black or mono white Liliana card at some point. Mm. I want all the aspects of Liliana in magic. Okay. Yes. I said it. We're done. That is Good. all. Thank you. Yes. Just shooting that out there. <laughs> just, just tossing it out there. That's all. Yeah, I want. I'm not sure if anybody out there remembers. Um, so before that, there was a way you could play on your phone called magic duels. And it took you through the story of a bunch of different blocks. And one of them was um, like the origins of the five planeswalkers. And so Leliana's first duel is a white deck because like that's in her lore, right? That she like started out, you know, as like a good person. And then something about like trying to bring her brother back to life, I think. She like made a pact with a demon and then like became a necromancer. Surprise. But I want to see that. I want to see that in the cards. There's so much history, right? Like So much. So, so much. And we're talking about, like, inherent good and inherent evil. Not all black cards might have started that way. And not all black mm-hmm. cards are inherently bad either. So we could right. see story of how people got there. Like, your Garricks, and I know you're going to hate it when I say it, but Nissa's that had okay. a little bit of black in later Fine. cards. They fell okay. a little bit. I know. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll talk to Nissa. We'll I'm get her such back. a Nissa purist. It's really <laughs> terrible. My Nissa must be mono green. I will not accept. Must ex- be. Except for the Amonkhet Nissa, which is uh, blue and green. That's I was about acceptable. to say, if there's blue in the green, then never mind. Give me that Simic combination, please. Right, exactly. <laughs> if I can, then, if mm-hmm. you don't mind intensifying what we're talking about. Not at about. all. Are we going to the next level of abstraction? I would like to go to three color, if that's cool. Let's talk about three. Three, admittedly, we're getting out of my comfort zone. Don't worry, because I think you'll be able to answer this first question for me. I play Apex of Wishes all the time. You know mm-hmm. me. I love Mutate. Uh, I think I've mentioned Mutate in every single podcast we do because I'm s- I am love- I have the same reaction in every single and episode. And you're like, oh, get that Scoot Swarm like, mutations out of, out of here. But when I look at him, he's a red, blue, green. Why, like, why those three colors? Why, why mm-hmm. is that the case? Boy, can I tell you. So I want to talk about Omnath. Um, yes. to talk about the Apex of Wishes. So besides, the most recent Omnath changed the game and added white. Yeah. But before that, um, they were mostly blue, green, and red, right? And those are considered the colors of elementals, okay. right? So whenever you combine them all, right? Before the Magic 20 set, I think it was, where everybody got an elemental, hmm. right? Like the Cavaliers. You had... Um, if you think about like the primal forces, right? Which is why the the this is why the Pokemon type thing doesn't quite work for white and black. <laughs> Pokemon. Right? But I honestly should have done a Pokemon intro. That uh missed oh, opportunity. One day, one day we'll do That's it. That's all right. It'll be lurking out there. But this is your classic like earth, wind and fire, water thing, right? Okay. Because blue is wind and water, right? It's the sky and the ocean. True. And so a lot if of you flyers. add the earth of green and the fire of red, that's your that's your elementals. So that's sort of how all of that ties together. It's a very, it's like Zendikar, man. That's the, my best way to explain it. Is it that just, like, it's very, it's very wild. It's chaotic, but it's also like a sustainable ecosystem. I don't you know, know, Aaron. The thing that just gets me is like wishes are mentioned, and I have this like initial thing where I'm like, maybe that's white. Like, would that be like white identified? I don't know. It gets me, but I understand because like it's a mutation card. It makes right. sense that it's very elemental in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at it, too, I'm looking at the abilities of Iluna Apex of Wishes. Yes. Because why not? 
And it's got all those classics. You know, it's got flying, which a lot of blue creatures do have. Sure. It has trample, which is was a big green thing. And then it's got this really cool um, card ability, right, where it exiles cards um, until you exile a non-land permanent card, and you put that card on the battlefield or into your hand, which is like a very nice green-blue combo. Very cool. And it's a dinosaur. And a lot of dinosaurs are either green or red. Because they're all th- there's some aggression there. There's some and natural... they even say it in the creature type, it's a beast elemental dinosaur. Oh, that is a good. Yeah. It's right there. It's in the it's proof right is in there. the pudding. Wizards of the Coast, let me design cards for you. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. Hey, you gotta. Uh, you would love it. You gotta get one of those books that some of the artists do. Like uh, Jesper did one recently. Oh, cool. And it's filled with all his card arc. He has the beautiful bear card. Like the Queen Bear card he did. I, I can't oh. remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. I'm going to look that one up. Oh, Ayula, Queen Among Bears. Yes. Yes. Oh, she's gorgeous. Isn't she beautiful? Yes. It's a what really a nice pretty card. Spin off of the Rune Claw Bear. I got a question. I got a big old yes. question for you here. Big old question. I don't know if this is getting a little too crazy here, so please, if I'm if I'm Let's going off out. the rails, Aaron, stop me. Stop this I will, train. I will stop you. I will jump in front of this train. Four and five color. How is a five color and even a four color card for that like decided like something that identifies with every single color? Mm-hmm. Like even like um Nico Bolas is the, that is that who you're talking about? That works too. Um, uh, progenitus to be five color. The five um, the Hydra as well also. Oh yeah, Hydras make sense in the way that I hope in the D and D Magic set we get Tiamat. Um, five color to Tiamat. Be five colors, right? Because because supposedly each of the heads has a personality. So that like gives time, like, like gives space to have each of those colors in play. Okay. I also think, yeah, with five colors, um, I think it's less about the, less about what each type is and more just about the fact that like it is sort of all encompassing, right? We save these five color, even the four color, like Omnath in the new Zendikar set. Hmm. We save those for things that are sort of otherworldly entities that sort of go beyond humanity. Okay. Right? You know, gods and like weird amorphous creatures and like five-headed dragons. Oh, that then brings up an interesting question of like there's monocolor gods in Theros. Yes, there are. Theros, one of my other favorite sets. And not just because there's a source book for D&D. Oh. Um, <laughs> yes. But if you think about it, the Theros gods are based on uh, like a Greek or Roman-esque pantheon, right? Mm. And so that's a place where each god is a specific thing and embodies a certain ideology. Oh, that's a good point. And that works really well with the color with the color wheel. But my opinion is that anything more than three, you're moving beyond the archetypes and like the personality traits and the goals and the ties or whatever, and moving more towards um just like power and all encompassing yeah. I know I'm I know I'm hounding you with questions, but this is like the last big one I got Please. for you. <laughs> uh Tazri, Beacon of Unity from Zendikar. So I read a lot of lore about her back in my day, back in the original Zendikar. A lot of people that make a Tazri deck clearly use her to her full capability. So it's a five color deck. So is there like a concept with like white being able to bring all five colors together? Like is it okay for a monocolor to have that kind of power? Like, is there any kind of, like, color logic behind that? A white card having all that power? I think it makes a lot of sense with white as the color of unity, right? And Tazri, in the lore that I read, um, she's like a commander of Zendikar's army whenever the Eldrazi attack. Hmm. 
like she like unites a bunch of like clans and she brings together like elves and merfolk and like all sorts of people into this like basically like a refugee city whenever like one of the main cities gets destroyed that sort of makes sense if she's operating in that sort of capacity as a haha commander ah, right which is okay. what i would see her as totally uh, so this card can't be played i think unless these abilities represent more of the people that she leads as opposed to who she is specifically i like that and that then makes a lot of sense why she is probably the biggest party mechanic card mhm oh yeah that would make a lot of sense because that's yeah. her function, then. I like that. that but I'm not really surprised good. that a white card puts itself as the leader, you know? Because that seems... That's a very white thing to do. Uh, oh, I mean, the color in magic. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to request... Actually, you got to check this out later in Command Zone. They do an animation for Tazri. Oh, cool. And basically what they do is they do a pan, so they have, like, four creatures of a party appear, and then mm -hmm. she appears in front of the card. Oh, it's like cool. so. It's almost like they give you an aspect around the wall that she's standing mm -hmm. on. It's a right. really cool animation. They also say that um, the thing, the glowing ring around her neck, is an angel's halo. Oh, yes. Well, you know that's actually wow. That is really cool. Now that I'm looking <laughs> at it, it gives yeah. gives me so much more respect for Tazri. She's pretty cool. She was really mean at first um, to poor sweet Gideon when he first showed up on Zendikar, but. They were friends in the end. They made it work out. That's good. They made it work. Right. So, Aaron, I've been asking you a lot of questions. Is there anything in the color wheel that you that you would just like to bring up without me barraging you with color questions? Yeah, I want to have a. I want to spin it, right? Because I always one of my favorite things about Magic and Dungeons and Dragons is when they talk to each other. Please. You know, as a DM, you know, what are your thoughts on? Let's see. It challenges the way that we do our regular personality traits for our characters, right? Mm. Our concepts, goals, and ties, and what our ideals are, especially. And so what do you think about the way that you make characters as a player or design NPCs in terms of building them off of more about the color wheel than about what the player's handbook might give you for a background? That's a very good question, Aaron. I think one of the things that I've learned when I talk to you about the color wheel is... It's making sure either way you're not falling into the first trap, which is that this is a good NPC, white. Mm -hmm. This is a bad right. NPC, black. Now that you bring it up, like, when I think about it, working with the colors, and especially because in our campaign, I've been introducing more members of guilds from Ravnica <laughs> right. that have come to Amira. So when I'm building those characters, I have to really think. Like, there was an Azet sorcerer. This is not a spoiler for anyone in our campaign, which is good. There was an Azet <laughs> sorcerer that showed up. So it was, like, blue and red. And I'm like, okay, I really got to think of how these mix. But I actually, to simplify the answer, I love the idea of using the color wheel now because it automatically makes you think, in more than just one dimension. Yeah, it breaks past the whole, like, oh, lawful good. Yes. Like, sure. That could be a lot of different things. It points out to you that when you make too many black characters or too many white characters, then you realize, you're like, oh, this is all the same. Like, there's so much more I could be playing with. And I know that, like, there's lawful, chaotic, neutral, and then good and evil. And you can mix those up mm -hmm. as much as you want, but it almost seems flatter that way. You got nine points, and that's it. The, the yeah, color wheel, it feels like you could milk more out of. Because sometimes, even when we're playing the game, you sometimes look at a character and you're like, they're not that lawful neutral, are they? Like, I don't know, but are they lawful neutral? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, the other thing, too, when you're talking about three colors, specifically, the more abstract you get, right? Yeah. 
that you can take different parts of each color and combine it in your color wheel, right? In your in your whatever your personal color pot is. Exactly. Right? So my rogue who is green, black, and blue, right? Because she was a pirate, so like black and blue, yar. Right? pirate, cool, yar. And she's also like a wood elf, very connected with nature, very like you know not incredibly magical. Hmm. So she's got that those green aspects, right? Yeah. She's got so it depends on like what parts you want to draw from, and a really cool aspect. If I can just splurge about Ariadne, whom I love, so you deeply. totally can. Yes. Yeah. The really neat thing, um, the way that this article, to go back to it, talks about green and black, they call it profanity, is mm. what they share, which is um, sort of interesting, but th- they d- refine it as not anything like with foul language or whatever, but rather the absence of the sacred and the clean, and that makes a lot of sense for Ariadne, who doesn't hold anything really on a pedestal. So it's like everything is just what it's good for, you know? And they talk about, too, that, like, people that would um, give anything for knowledge, right? That's a very black, blue, and green That's thing. a good point, yes. Because you're, you're pursuing knowledge, but you're doing it sort of at, at any cost, being sort of ruthless. And in some way, having a disregard for, you know, you're just going to let whatever happens, happens, which is sort of like the green result of it. That's... So you take and you could build another black, green, and blue character that's incredibly different. That's a right? good point. Ariadne doesn't play a lot into the whole like, um, well, she's an inquisitive, so she does play a lot into knowledge. But I can see a world in which she's much more nature driven, right? And going through like harmony is what it is, and like I'm gonna let nature take its course, but I'm also going to like put myself above that, right? Through the black and blue aspects. That's like. I will use my knowledge to like privilege myself and let everybody else sort of sort it out. Social Darwinism. Yeah. No, it's interesting too because we both play in Arena a black, blue, green deck. I made a black, blue, green deck because I'm like Ariadne colors, but mine is nothing like yours. Mine's all about <laughs> absolutely nothing. Mutation and Excuse taking form. creatures and mutating on top mm-hmm. of them and making them grow, which is like that's very blue green very simic nothing like ariadne and also death no. touch so you know there's also death touch that damn death touch. there's that on top of it but i i mm-hmm. do love the idea of not being like putting yourself in this category where like because in D D you get caught up in this sometimes when you play that classic knight fighter you're like i am or a paladin even better right oh yeah paladins am, get really boxed in i'm lawful i'm good i fight for justice i am a I am a four drop, uh, one white uh, mana drop mm-hmm. night card. And like, that's it. Right. There's nothing. But maybe we could like tie this in a little bit, right? Like you could put different color equipment on any creature. Oh, so I do like that. Or different color enchantments, you know, whatever you can. Exactly. Like I, I play uh, Boros Commander. That's not news to anyone. But <laughs> not a surprise. One of my many Boros Commanders, like uh, some of the creatures are mono white and sometimes I drop a red uh sword on top of them and i'm like this is interesting that's something they're not used to but everybody has maybe a little bit of an aggressive thing to them right they sometimes want to fight they want to attack first and everything yeah i do similar things because i play so much green and blue Mm -hmm. and instead of going for the like the simic aspect of it because i actually don't like the simic uh um what is the simic combine that much Mm. they're cool but like I just never really got into it. But they got crab arms. Uh, I do love crab octopus, um, <laughs> you know. But um, I always view it as green creatures protected by blue spells. Because that's like two things. That's like two sides that 
they complement each other very well and shore up each other's weaknesses. Because outside of like leviathans and you know big octopuses and stuff and sphinxes, blue doesn't get a lot of huge creatures. They don't have a lot of like boots on the ground in that way. True. But green has that in spades, but it doesn't really have a way to protect itself very much. That's a good point. So then you like let them balance each other out like that. And both actually now have great card draw. So it's not Great a Henge. Oh, we love the Great Henge. When you have a lawful good character, right? Yeah. And this is always the this is a greater question about like what does lawful really mean? A lawful good character that's white is a lot different than a lawful good character that's green, you know? Or different than a character that's green and white. Because it's all about the code of laws that you like, you know, prescribe yourself to. And then like uh someone who's just white, right? order and unity and peace for everybody all together right versus like the green lawful good is like i abide by the laws of nature and i seek to do good within that you know but it's like i think that a a lawful good green knight would still let someone who is like you know suffering would like let them die you know i think that would be like within the realm if i'm thinking about like an oath of ancients paladin right you're about preserving like the natural world as opposed to like you know saving the most lives interesting which i know tends a bit more towards neutral yeah that break right there with good and neutral definitely mm-hmm. we are talking about D classes however which oh. i think is very important because we have a friend who has a lightning round if you will this is the Ralzera class lightning round. Yay! For those of you who are new to the game, basically I take a couple of MTG cards and I ask Aaron their class, building them into a D&D character sheet. Mm-hmm. Last time I did the Wall of Runes, so some of them are a little, uh, <laughs> little funky. Some of them are a little spicy. Yeah. All right, great. I'm going to ask them to you. You ready? Okay. I'm so ready. Okay. The first one, Tajuru Blightblade. I love this card with my whole heart. Um, so naturally, you have to make them an elf rogue, yes. right? That's like the first step. But then you have a lot of options in terms of your subclass. Um, I feel like they could be an assassin. That makes a lot of sense. I feel And that. I don't know, is there some kind of... This is a weird This is a weird hot take, but part of me really wants to multiclass into a circle of spores druid just to get a little bit of extra poison up in there. I feel that. Just for, like, a little bit of fun. Because you have Death Touch. You have to do something about it, right? Yeah, I was also going to say possibly because of the way the blade is glowing. You know, it's poison, but maybe you can make it, like, a Psy Blade. Oh, I was thinking the new Psionic Rogue would be really cool. You know, magical blades. All right, the Mm -mm. Cleric of Chill Depths. I love this card, too. I think you just picked all my favorite cards. Maybe. 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 So, let's see. I actually... Yeah, so it's so hard with these ones not to just make them exactly what they are. I completely understand right? that, yeah. Because, like, they're clerics. But, um, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking, we actually don't have a lot of ice material to work with. Definitely not, The closest no. thing we have is a storm cleric, and that doesn't quite do it for me. So I think I'm actually going to make this one an order cleric, and here's why. Hit me. Because, um, because of the control aspect. Its ability says that when it blocks a creature, that creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. A freeze mechanic, which I absolutely love. And so I'm thinking, if you take like a water genasi, because we don't have official merfolk material nah. yet. <laughs> outside of plane shift, right? Which which I love also. Good stuff. Um, yeah, then I think you need, you need something water related, naturally. And then... A way that the um, the order cleric is really good at shutting people down and taking them out for like a turn. You know, you have all of those 
great like commanding words and you can cast all your hold persons and it's just a very control oriented thing and i think that would work really well here as well as it gets heavy armor proficiency which makes sense for its three toughness oh well done thank you all right you're gonna like this next one rada heart oh, of yes. yeah rada i of love Kel. her too i rada yeah i play with her a lot in um mtga so oh mm, so good i think she could be so many things um I kind of want to make her a barbarian, kind of want to make her a fighter. Unclear. She could also work as like an Oath of Ancients paladin, but I would want to give her something with a two-weapon fighting style, right? Because she's got both. She's got two blades. Actually, here's what I'm going to do. I'm saying she is a battlemaster fighter that does two-weapon fighting. Yeah. Because her abilities are very strategic, Right, She always gets first strike when it's your turn. You can look at the top card of your library at any time. And you can play lands from there. That's awesome. That's a good one. We love it. The lands are are really great. The (laughs) lands are a big, big move. She's, of course, an elf, naturally. You have to. Tajuru Snarecaster. I love the Snarecaster. This is Ariadne as a card. (laughs) Um, Because Ariadne fights with a chain whip, right? And so when I look at the Snarecaster, I just see her. And this card is all through it. So... I actually want to make this card um, naturally part rogue, but also part monk to get that because it looks very acrobatic. Definitely. Right? The way it's climbing so and everything. It's climbing and shit. Right. So give it a little bit of that monk, that monk style. And I'm not quite sure. Maybe a Kensei just because I really like the Kensei monk. That's for fair. no apparent reason. <laughs> um <laughs> A lot, a lot to choose from. But I, think I think Kensei this makes is, sense, though. I really this do. is a scout rogue, definitely, with a little bit of a, um, you know, because they're climbing, they're exploring, hmm. but they got some Kensei monk in them to really whip, whip their whip around. Because the other thing too is that then, if you take a lot of levels in Kensei, this whip can go up from a D6 with your monk die True. and can ultimately end up being around a D10. It's a good whip. So you can stay, you can stay competitive on the damage scene. Aaron. This last one's going to be a little weird. So this one I is up it. to you interpreting it how you want to. Return of the Wild Speaker. So looking at the abilities, um, so it's like card draw, which we love, um, or a buff to all non-human creatures, right? Which makes me think about rangers, hmm. like a beast companion ranger or like a circle of shepherds druid, somebody who's very naturey, and also takes that to buff buff your summons, basically, and work with animals and make them stronger. I think this is ultimately like I've peaked at um, building Garrick as a um, as a D and D character before, and now's my now I think is the time for the teaser trailer. Yeah, Planeswalkers as D and D characters. Here it goes. I'd build Garrick as a combo actually of the Beastmaster Ranger and the Circle of Shepherds Druid, because I really just I know they might not work technically together super well, but I don't really care because. <laughs> That's like what Garrick is about. He's not fully a druid, but you can't take away a lot of his magic either because he's quite magical. And so this will let him summon big creatures, which he loves to do. It'll let him buff them. And then he has one that walks around with him all the time, right? And then you get the more martial aspects of the ranger class because you can't deny that like Garrick is a beefy man and, you know, could definitely swing a sword around. Aaron? Well done. Thank you. The check is in the mail. Uh, Thank you for also playing along with the little trick because it's a pseudo planeswalker kind of card. No problem. Just, you know, getting a little little tricky there. Just a little bit of fun. 
No problem. I you know me. I love this. It's good stuff. I'm I'm glad I get to play the games love of the game. this podcast. I've I have a different <laughs> game planned for a later episode as well. So uh, if yes, you guys like the games, of games. get ready. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed our discussion of the Magic the Gathering color wheel. Let us know if you have any thoughts about it. Um, things that we might have missed or. Sorry if we didn't get to talk about some of your favorite colors. Hopefully we'll get back around to it. Um, yeah. And don't forget that for one mana, you can tap this card and like and subscribe to the Dungeons & Gatherers podcast. Mm-hmm.